right, welcome to Berkey Guide podcast number five, I think. Uh, yeah, let's call it number five. Uh, and we're back with Ben Pop, the executive director of the Berkebiner, and he's going to just fill us in on a lot of things that have been happening in the last few months. Since I believe now that we're at the end of August when we're recording this, we are more than halfway from the Berkey to the Berkey, so pop your champagne corks and uh, open your new Glarus and Lineys, and uh, we'll, 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 we're, we're almost halfway there. We're more than halfway there. So welcome, Ben. Hey, uh, great to be here, Ari. All right. Um, so I want to jump right in, hopefully just figuratively, uh, because uh, talk about the trail. I, I know that we all saw a bunch of pictures this summer of, uh, you know, we've had the we had first you had the Berkey and then we had the trail Berkey the uh, now now and the fat bite Berkey and it looks like you had sort of a canoe and kayak Berkey. What happened there? Yeah, I tell you, it's been a crazy summer. Um, you know, we had some big plans to do a bunch of trail rehab and uh, we are now in the process of actually just trying to save the trail, if you will. It really um, starting back in uh, July. I mean, we had a pretty wet spring, anyways sort of normal wet spring, and then uh, we had an event that had 11 to 14 inches, depending on where you were, and then um, another one shortly thereafter that was another five or six inch rain, and then ever since, it's been raining um, two to three inches a, you know, a week, so it's been crazy amounts of rain, so the, the, the soil is just unbelievably saturated, and so if you were to two of the Berkey Trail, which luckily I was out with Chris the other day, we were kind of taking, um, assessing where we're at, and unbelievably amount of standing water. Um, there's these huge erosion ruts, and I'm not exaggerating when, when I say three or four feet deep, um, where they just eroded right away because the water came so fast, the ground became so saturated, and then, and maybe some of you might have seen um, on the national news, uh, you know, bridges washed out, culverts. Uh, it was crazy, and then we were declared a um, national emergency, uh, state of emergency. So FEMA has come in actually. We've been working with them, and uh, that's been an interesting. That's a whole other topic we get discussed. But uh, the trail right now is not skiable as it is. Um, we got all the trees removed. So then what happened right now? They get, it, the ground gets really saturated. A little wind comes up, and what happens? All the trees fall over. And so. We just finished clearing the trail probably two or three weeks ago of all the down of the fall that came down, and so now the corridor is open, and now it's a process of um, we have a skid steer and a tractor, but we just don't have the the complete manpower to do all of the rehab work before the snow flies, and so we're trying to get some contractors in as well, but they're busy, you know, as well doing other projects uh, repairs. Um, so it's a full-on effort of trying to get the, the trail back going. It's um, right now it's bringing in hauling in dirt, and eventually we'll be bringing in topsoil and seed and, and erosion mats and doing a full rehab. But uh, we're sort of going through these processes right now. As uh, probably many of the listeners might know, the Shawamigan Fat Tire Festival, the mountain bike race, is coming up here in mid-September, and uh, that uses a lot of the Berkey Trail or parts of it. And They've actually routed much of the race off the Berkey Trail just because it would be dangerous with the erosion ruts and the like we have in the, in the standing water. So they will use a small section of the trail early on from Hatchery to Mosquito Brook because it's really one of the only ways out of town. And so we're concentrating efforts now on that and getting the erosion gullies filled in and the like so that they can use it um, just for that event. And then we can come back and seed it and add it and stuff. So it's really 
Um, it's been quite a quite an ordeal, you know, the ATV trails, the snowmobile trails, all the trails up here, and real, uh, real issue. The Canva mountain bike trails um, have been affected. So yeah, it's been quite a summer of of, of, of the weather and and uh, keeping us on our toes. And, but we'll be ready for snow. Don't worry, we'll uh, we'll get it ready. I hope so. Uh, what? How much of the trails is it? Is it just patches or just whole long sections that are affected? A lot of patches. I think that's a really good way to describe it. Um, more to the south and the north, actually. So from double O south, there's uh, many more uh, spots. And and anywhere, you know, the worst places obviously are the fall line hills, where um, you know the water gets running fast down them, and then it just starts gathering speed and starts pulling dirt, makes a little crevice, and then away you go. And you know, there was also um, between um, gravel pit and double O. Um, Many years ago, the county must have installed some culverts in some of the lower areas. And I don't know if that's because they were using the Berkey Trail to haul out timber or something. Um, but then, of course, what happened in these big rains, and we didn't even know the culverts existed. It had been many years ago. And, and um, they actually, the water got moving so fast around the culverts, it would just, it's uh, sort of like, again, maybe you've seen pictures on the news, it eroded feet. Um, of material away from where this, these old culverts used to be, and so now you end up with a ditch that's six feet wide by two or three feet deep. And uh, so it really um, did a fair amount of, uh, of you re well, I should say, you really realize how much power water has when it gets rolling. And um, so it's, uh, but we got a good plan. Chris and his crew are on it. They've been working ton, ton and ton, ton of extra hours. And we have the Berkey Trail Run coming up in, in October, so want to just make sure that it's safe for that and, and that there's no hidden hidden issues uh, underneath the grass, so to speak, for people to twist ankles and the like. And, and um, yeah, I think it'll be, uh, it's been a project and it'll it's also helped us identify the areas that need the most rehab as part of our F fundraising efforts in the future, places that need the full-time rehab so that, uh, so when these sort of events happen, we don't run into these same issues. And, and I think it's, just, it's a natural evolution of the trail. It went from getting very little use to now getting, we estimated 100,000 users this past year between mountain bikers, hikers, skiers. Um, so that's a ton of use, and, which is great. That's what we want, but we just want to make it sustainable, of course. So that's what we're going to try and do. Now, you mentioned that FEMA is involved. What, how, how does all that work, having not lived in a disaster area? Well, you know, it's interesting. We're sort of learning. Yeah, we're learning as we go because what happens is that the estimated damage amount in the area was about $20 million. And uh, so in this case, they come in and they look and say, okay, there's infrastructure damage to roads. Um, and then also look at things that are uh, to, a, to a, an area that create an, uh, economic impacts and jobs and the like. And so... The economic impact of the Berkey and the, and the Sawyer County and Bayfield County is about $25 million a year is what UW estimated when they did that study a couple of years ago. So, it, so the events and that trail, that corridor, really brings in a lot of dollars um, in, in second homes, of course, and in, in hotels, and whatever. So getting that back to usable is, is part of the rehab process here. So FEMA comes in, um, you fill out a lot of paperwork, you show them the damage, you kind of were going through the process of estimating. It looks like it's probably between thirty-five and forty thousand dollars worth of damage, and then you submit as. Uh, and again, we're just uh, starting this process. You start to you submit. Uh, here's the work we did um, to open this section of trail back up, and and then you can get reimbursed for some of that. It's in this case, I believe it's a eighty twenty eighty twenty match. Um, so we're kind of learning as we go. The emergency services of the Sawyer County government are the ones that head that up. Um, they're sort of our liaisons to the FEMA agents that are in, uh, here. They're actually stationed up in uh, Spoon or in um, 
superior in Duluth for this uh, case, this incident. And uh, yeah, it's been a learning process for us all. And uh, but I think really feeling like uh, we're supported in the effort and. And people realize, wow, this is a really important asset in northwestern Wisconsin, and we want to make sure it's put back together. All right. So it sounds like get that sort of under control, most of the way under control. Yeah. It's, it's a, I think we know what we need to do. Now it's a matter of just getting the work done, and, and I think we're getting close. Uh, we've got a good handle on, like I said, all the specific projects uh, and the areas, and now it's just uh, finishing those up. Let's just hope you don't have too much more rain this fall. Exactly. Actually, you're 100% right. You know, we have a three- or four-day window right now where it's actually going to be really nice, and so we'll bring in all our part-time work, and they'll work 10, 12 hours a day because we actually have some really good, good weather, and we know that our goal is to be done with everything by November 1st, knowing that who knows what's going to happen after November 1st, and we could snow. So that's really our goal, and, you know, on top of it, we have all these other projects that we had started um, and are working through the new start area up at the um, for the Berkey and Cable, opening up the new Hayward, or the new uh, Court of Open Start and Double O. And, uh, so we had a whole uh, list of projects to begin with, and then to add this on top is really uh, giving us a little pause. But uh, we got a great crew, and, and uh, now we got a good plan, and we'll get her done. Okay, so you're talking about the new facilities, the new start. Um, so the, we have two new starts. We have the new Berkey start and the new Cordelope start. You want to give us a quick uh, rundown on those? Yeah, you know, the new Berkey start we've been working on for about two years now. We started with the fundraising um, in 2014 and finished that up in 2015. And then we started out this spring uh, building it out. And we purchased uh, about 30 acres from the Lewis family who owns Telmark now right adjacent to the runway. So when you were standing on the start line of the Berkey or Cordy last year, if you looked over to your left, that was the Cordelope finish. And then if you kept going a little further, um, is now where the new start area is. So it's really pretty close to the, uh, the previous runway there. Now, is, and, that on the other, is that on the other side of the road, or is it uh, on yes, the... Yes, yes, other side of the road. Okay. Just exactly on the other side of the, uh, which was... People will call it McNaught Road, but really McNaught Road ends way back by the Rod and Gun Club. And so that was just sort of a, an access that Tony had in there to get sort of through the back door, if you will, into Telmark. And so now um, everyone will be accessing it not through Telmark the way they did before, but actually coming in through cable and turning on um, Randy Sec Road, kind of by the brick house there, and then crossing the river, taking a left on McNaught. And then that brings you right into the new start area, and you'll get let off. There's a big open parking area where uh, the buses will let everybody off. And as you get off, there's going to be a warm-up track. There'll be about a, a kilometer and a half specific warm-up track that will be grooming throughout the winter, so people have a place to warm up. I'll have then you'll walk by a bazillion porta potties as usual, and then we have a large building that we put up. It's about 8,000 square feet. And it's just a big pole barn, essentially, but it's where we're storing equipment right now and where the groomers will be based out of in the winter. But then for the event, of course, we can pull everything out and have a nice heated space. And then right next to that, we'll have a second tent, um, just so that we have enough space. It takes that much. It takes roughly 15,000 square feet, we estimate, at any given time. And so put in another tent there. And then in front of that is then um, the whole recreation of the start pens and the baggage trucks, and then there's a start line building there that's now instead of just having a rickety old stand for the announcers and timing, there's actually a little trailhead building. Um, it's called the Dirksen Family Trailhead Building. They donated the money to build it, and um, 
it's uh, really awesome. It's open year round. People can ski. In fact, I was up there just the other day um, showing some people around, and uh, there was a group of Cub Scouts up there that are going to camp tonight. But uh, so it's getting used a ton, and this little building is now just kind of like North End Cabin. You can, you know, it's open all the time, and it's got a little bathroom in it, and. Uh, so it's, I think it's going to be a really great experience. I think people are going to love it, and uh, I will, you know, hopefully it makes the event uh, just that much smoother. And um, they're going to host the uh, Wisconsin High School Championships there. Um, they're going to have a junior national qualifier event there, and uh, so hopefully it gets a bunch of use. The Berkey uh, Tour and the Fat Bike Berkey are going to start and finish out of there as well. So it'll get plenty of use, and uh, I think it'll be a good venue for uh, for events. So this will start. This will work as a uh, you know a stadium area for for ski events as well. So you'll be able to go in and out on on trails and go up and make a loop and come back if if you want to do that too. Exactly. Great. Yep. There's a 5K loop actually works really well. If, you go out the new start, you, you are on the skate trail, the new skate trail, until the power lines, and you still ski part of the power lines, probably the second half of them, and then get to almost where um, uh, the power line aid station used to be, and then come back on the classic trail, and it's a perfect 5K loop. So that'll be a competition loop. It's got some good climbing in it, and uh, so that'll be that. And, and the other note of change with the new start is the first aid station won't be until Timber Trail. This timber trail is now at about six and a half kilometers, um, and the new power line aid station would have been at about two. Uh, so there was just no, it didn't make any sense to have an aid station there. So now the first aid station people will come across is at Timber Trail. Um, it's just over six k into the race. But you won't have just skied up the the uh, the goddamn power line hill to get there, so you'll, you won't be quite as beat. <laughs> exactly. Yep. That's right. That's right. And it's interestingly enough. Um, Part of our fundraising campaign that we're in now is doing a lot of trail improvements for the trailheads and aid stations, and that's going to be ongoing for the next year, 18 months. But one of the very first things we've done with the first money that we raised, we've, um, we're building a small building at Timber Trail, which, like I just said, is now going to be the first aid station. And it's really unique in that, um, uh, again, we've had a family that has donated the money to build this little building. It'll be open year-round, just kind of like uh, Mosquito Brook or Hatchery or all the other little buildings. But it's going to be designed such that the front half will be, be able to be used for the medical team, and the back half will be used for the volunteers um, and all their storage and water and whatnot. But the way it's situated, it's actually in the middle of the trail. So when you come down, the classic skiers are, will never actually co-mingle with the skaters as they enter the aid station. Uh, they'll stay on the, the classic skiers will stay on the left side of the aid station in the building. The skaters will stay on the right side. And it allows the volunteers to never have to actually cross the trail to serve um, or to go back and refill trays or whatnot. They'll have their own self-contained unit uh, that they'll be in, and then the skiers will be going around them. And so that was back to that Georgia Tech um, Yep. Uh, stuff that we had done about flow and, and fast lanes and slow lanes and, you know, traffic flows, right? And so oh, yeah. we, uh, we used a lot of their data. They've been really instrumental in helping us sort of set up this concept of how to best do an aid station. And so Timber Trail this year will be a great test because, you know, it's the first aid station now and, and uh, be huge amounts of people flowing through. So we'll see how it goes. And I think that you're also, what you're also doing is that that's for the race day, but the rest of the year, the other 364 days of the year, these get used as, as destinations. So if, if, you're, if you're someone who maybe doesn't come up and ski the Berkey, you can come out and you know, ski 5, 6K into a cabin and then go in and have your lunch and, and, uh, and use it that way too, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we were just talking um, about uh, how fun it'll be to go to the New Berkey Start, ski a loop through the North End Trails, go to the new Timber Trail Cabin, have lunch, ski back on the Classic. It ends up being like a 15, 17K loop with a stop in the middle and, uh, you know, start and finish in and at, the, at the start line. And so I think absolutely it'll be uh, uh, a lot of, of destination skiing opportunities for people just, uh, and even hiking in the fall and and uh, you know mountain biking in summer so we're hoping we we're, we're working hard to make sure people use them as much as they can that's for sure yeah and no, no point in having a trail and not having it used the rest of the ah, year exactly amen to that so now down at Cordelope uh, down at Double there's another start for the Cordelope yeah so um, the and it's we're going to use it for the Cordelope start but I'd be a little remiss calling it the Cordelope start I guess because really the improvement there there's like 14 or 15 events that happen on a double O every year and it's just, it's the area that we, that's there to use is just really inadequate for Sealy Hills Classic and the youth mountain bike races and the pre-Berkey and all those events. And so this was a good opportunity to say, all right, look it, um, we're going to use it for the Cordelope start, so we're going to need to improve, but let's make it so that it's good for all the events that are starting and finishing here and the high school races. I mean, it's incredible how many events, and there's going to be a color run in a couple weeks. And so it's getting... Um, the, for the, specifically for the Cordelope, the, the start area is being opened up right now. But then also from the start out to, we call it Picnic Table Hill here, um, about a kilometer and a half or two out where you have kind of a, a, a pretty steep downhill. Um, that whole corridor is getting improved. It kind of twisted and winded. So we're just opening it up to be straighter and um, about 60 feet wide. This is what used to be, the, this is the current Berkey Trail, what used to be sort of the classic trail. This is the current classic trail. Okay, yep. So as you cross the road and the Berkey went to the right and the classic series went to the left, and then um, they didn't stay on that original lower classic trail. They kind of went in the middle, um, and that's the, uh, the trail that's being upgraded. And, and um, for about the first 2K, it'll be, like I said, it'll be about 80 feet wide. And so I think it'll be a really good start for the Cordelope skiers and, and uh um, get everybody off in a pretty fair manner. And then sort everyone on. And again, the nice thing for the Cordelope skiers is they're not going to be dealing with all the Berkey skiers as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it'll be interesting because I think, you know, some people said, oh, you know, we love having all the chaos. And I still, you know, there's still going to be with 2,500 skiers, uh, there's still going to be plenty of chaos. I, 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 let, I let them know I think there'll be plenty of chaos. Don't worry. Um, there'll still be broken poles, I'm sure. But again, then, yeah, they'll have less quirky skiers. Their waves will be a little bit smaller just because um, there's 2,500 skiers versus 7,500 skiers. And um, so it really, uh, I think they're going to have a good event. And, and then ah, to get the ski into downtown, I mean, that was a big part of why we did it was to try and give the Cordelope their own identity um, and and not be a, an afterthought, if you will. People say, oh, you know, it, you don't care about the Cordelope. And, and for us, it's actually one of the primary events, the one that we spend the most time working on, because the demographic of that race is, is almost 50% are under the age of 23. Um, there's a lot of young skiers and or skiers that used to ski the Berkey now that are just doing the Cordelope. They don't feel like they have the you know, the time to train or whatnot. So that's a, these, those groups of people are really important to trying uh, to give them a good experience. So we said, boy, how can we improve it so that they are done and said, holy cow, that was awesome. I can't wait to do it again. Um, and as we pulled people, a lot of them said, boy, you know, we want to, you know, to be able to come downtown and hear live music and, and uh, people cheering and get a beer and brought after is, would be awesome. And so, um, 
you know, taking after. And you set up, you've, you've set up downtown, you might as well use it. Well, exactly, because that's such a fun part of so many Berkey skiers, you know, boy, rolling into downtown, you kind of get goosebumps on the back of your neck, you know, it really is a fun experience, and so, um, giving them that, letting them come into town and, and cross the lake. Uh, um, I haven't talked to Treelands. I don't know if they're going to have Jaeger shots on the lake or not, but uh, <laughs> then up and over the bridge and into downtown and have that whole experience, I think it's just going to be a kick for, uh, for them all. Hopefully the lake will be a little more frozen this year. Oh, man, you're not kidding. I mean, that was uh, that's always one of the, you know, the certainly the, the largest variables because, you know, the... The lake is not really a lake, it's the Nemecagan River, it just is dammed in Hayward, and so, you know, you get Lake Hayward, but it's, so it's moving water, and, and um, that's always one of the concerns that we have is, is you know, we go out and, and drill a ton of, pe- of uh, test holes, and um, last year it ended up that we did all the grooming with snowmobiles on the lake. We didn't feel comfortable taking out, you know, 15,000 pound machines on it, and uh, um, it ended up, we had about 12 inches, so certainly plenty for people to be on, but... Uh, um, that's about the limit of where we take the big machines, and so yeah, it's, if we could just get some cold weather, it'd be great. Oh, there's a little. There was a little water on top of the ice too last year. We did, yeah, we did, and that caused, uh, you know, because we got that rain, and by the end, people were skiing through uh, slush and, and water. You know, it was crazy. Oh, I think at the beginning, people were doing that too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I think you're right. Yeah. If you listen, I'm going to plug our last podcast. If you listen to our last podcast with Caitlin Gregg, she said she was the first one across, and. Uh, she had a little water skiing going on, so I think it was the whole time. Ah, got it. Love it, love it. All right, so um, so one of the things that are, is going to change is, I, I know that everyone's always said, oh, I'm a wave three skier, I'm a wave six skier. All the waves have changed, so everyone's identity is thrown into, thrown into disarray. What, are your, what is your perspective on, on, all the, on the waves? Having fewer of them, are they going to be bigger, smaller? How does all that work? Yeah, you know, I mean, the waves change just by virtue of the cordilopid being removed. Suddenly you're taking out 25 to 3,000 skews out of that, and so you don't need as many waves any longer. You can actually shrink the waves because before they always included all of the, of the cordilopid skews, of course. So um, in an effort to uh, uh, keep the wave sizes, uh, they're actually, like I said, going to be a little bit smaller for the Berkey. Not a ton, but a little bit, um, but you don't need nearly as many any longer. And so right before... You might have been a wave two skier. You might now be a wave one because now we can put more skiers into wave one, if you will, and and uh, Berkey skiers that is. And so it ends up that it's it's uh, you know really all you're trying to do is get uh, skiers of likability as the best you can. And of course, it's somewhat you know a shot in the dark. Uh, there's a little history there, but there's so many variables. And you know the idea of being able to get uh, homogenous groups together is, is the goal, and it sort of works. And um, uh, so hopefully that goes well, and, and we'll see this year. Like I said, there's a few, yeah, there's, you know, uh, seven waves, not ten, and, and uh, this quarter open is even fewer, of course, because there's fewer, uh, fewer skiers, and, and even the U-20 wave, which uh, is going to be really cool for the quarter open to have. Um, in the past, the, the U-20 skiers are really the, the driving force. I think at 80-some of the top 100 finishers are 120. Wow. So the concept of partnering with USSA to give that group of young kids an opportunity to, to ski together and have sort of this distance championship is where it came from. And it'll be kind of fun to, um, you know, the chance to go out there, um, duke it out a little bit, finish downtown. And we're going to actually give the awards for the U-20 are going to be scholarships. Obviously, we can't pay a lot of those kids money. They're uh, amateurs or in college or whatnot. And so um, 
we're going to give them scholarships to do ski-related um, uh, next steps. So if they're going to go to junior nationals, or if they're um, going to go to a, a Europa Cup, or they're going to do a, some sort of USSA camp, then we will um, we're going to give them scholarships towards that instead of winnings or cash. So I think it'll be kind of a neat concept. It'll you know uh, the first year kind of see how it goes and. Um, and again, to try and really support and inspire that group of kids that we want to uh, really carry the sport on. And there's some pretty illustrious past champions of the Corte Lopez, so I think that we'll hopefully see the next generation coming out of there. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Jesse Diggins, uh, none other than, you know, and, and it was fun. We just finished the museum here, which will be great. I, I, I encourage everyone when they're in, in Hayward to stop by the front of the office. We redid it into a museum. And it's just fan, yeah, it's phenomenal, fantastic. And one of the highlights I love listening to, there's nine iPads, amongst other things, that have all these first-hand recordings. And Luke Bodenstein are retelling the story of the year that he was in the Corte Lopez and, and didn't make the, missed the Corte Lopez finish. He was duking it out. He was leading the race up to, like, 42K. And it's a great story. But, uh, yeah, it was just some of those things. It, it's really been a big part of development for um, for the for the juniors, so it'll be fun to can continue to try and evolve that. No, I think you're saying uh, offline that the the right now the sort of the biggest constraint on growth is is just how big or how small downtown Hayward is and how many people can, it can accommodate. Um, it sounds like the Berkey and the Berkey the race the Berkey's grown quite a bit in the last ten years. Is that correct? Yeah, yep, it has. And uh, you know, I think one of the things by moving the Cordelopa to Friday too, ideally, uh, we can that event has the ability to grow. Um, it's certainly the targeted demographic that we're looking for, trying to get uh, younger kids into skiing and uh, and those that have skied the Berkey and wanna wanna now do the Cordy. So by having that on Friday and giving it its own identity, hopefully. Heck, we could, uh, you know, we can have the ability to bring more people into that event, and and not without trying to squeeze um, many more hundreds into uh, or thousands into a Berkey Saturday. So certainly, it gives room for the uh, event to grow. Um, so we'll see what happens, and, and obviously, it is, we take the lead of what uh, the participants want, and and uh, so we'll continue to pull them and see what people think and how they like it and continue to evolve. No, I've talked to I, I've talked to at least one person who's planning to do both the Cordelopet and the Berkey. Are there many people doing that that you know of? You know, not a ton. Well, um, about 200 or 225, I think, to date. So, you know, there's some for sure. In fact, one person said he wants to do all three. His plan is to ski the Cordelopet. He's in the first wave, and then he's going to have his wife quick drive him back to Mosquito Brook. He's going to jump on his skis and do the Prince Hogan and then ski the Berkey. So... It's going to be the first trifecta, I think, uh, if you will, in Berkey history. You you might have to give a special award for that one of these days. I know. That's what I thought. I said, now, that was awfully creative because I don't think any of us thought of that. But uh, Special award and a free trip to the Insane Asylum. Yeah, exactly. But three, three Main Street finishes, that's pretty yeah. good. Now, now he has to take a, he has, he'll have to take a Jaeger shot for each one of those, I think. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Uh, that's good stuff. Um. And there are still, uh, there are still, and uh, again, we're recording this uh, August 30th, 31st, something like that. There are still a few slots left, so you can still sign up for these great races, can't you? Yeah, we're getting, uh, kind of getting, normally in the past, it's, the Berkey fills up in uh, early October. Um, so, uh, I think the release was like the second or third, but uh, right now we're just over 82 or 8,300 uh, skiers, so we got about uh, 2,000 left. Uh, or so, and we have a, a price hike up here coming up in early September, and that'll get us awfully close. I have a feeling this year it's really been we've been ahead of schedule, and um, so yeah, there's there's 
some slots left, and it is, if you haven't been, as you know, it's quite a party on skis and, and a festival more than anything. It's not just a ski and race. Every so. finisher gets to gets to finish in Hayward, which is fun this year. It's going to be awesome. I think people are going to love it. It certainly creates some issues. We all know that with different logistics and changes, and, and you know, we definitely re re you know, recognize that. But hopefully the, the end result is a, is a really great experience for everybody. All right. And you have the uh, trail run coming up in a few weeks? We do. October 1st, just about a 1,000 or so runners will be here. And, you know, we added an ultramarathon last year, which is awesome. And this year, Corinne Malcolm is going to be here. She just won the 50-mile national championship, so that's pretty cool. Is that a, it's a 50-miler that you're running or a 50K? 50-mile. Yep, and uh, so we now have a, a 100K ultra, the marathon, the half marathon, and the relay, and um, so it's quite an event. It, you know, we do it at Berkey Ridge, which is that newest trailhead just north of Sheely, and uh, it's quite a party. It's live music, tons of vendors, and it's a fun event. It's a good way for us to get out on the trail, and again, firsthand, we're out there and let people experience it in a different way than, than on snow, of course, and it's amazing how many people are like, gosh, there is a lot of hills on this thing, and <laughs> um, I said, yes, there are, and and interestingly enough, the Ultra, you start at Berkey Ridge, which is just north of Double O, you run all the way to Hayward, you basically turn around and run all the way to Telmark, and then turn around and run back to Double O, or to, to, to Berkey Ridge, and so it's quite a day on the trail, it's a long, a lot, uh, lot of running, but uh, I'm expecting to do some training, man. That sounds like someone's conception of fun, I, I, I love trail running, and, and, and I haven't done... I did the Berkey trail run many years ago, uh, one of the first ones, when it was just a half marathon. I'd love to hopefully get out and do it again sometime. We'll have to talk you into getting back out here again. We'll, uh, we'll entice you back to the Midwest for it. I'll, I'll work on it. Um, and, uh, and then you, it sounds like you're in pretty good shape for winter. What's coming up with, the with phase three? Where, where are you with that? And what are the goals for phase three? Yeah, you know, the, so uh, a couple things were, um, we're, uh, as you said, we are getting ready for winter here and things are pretty well. We'll get the trail all, all fixed up for folks and, and the like. And, uh, then we are, we kicked off our, the second half of our fundraising campaign that we started back in 2013. Our goal is to raise $1.6 million. We've raised about 400000 so far, which is about a quarter of the way there. We, we just kicked it off here in July, and we'll be working really hard this fall and doing a bunch of outreach. And our goal is to have the money raised, um, by 2017 into 2017, and uh, you know it's 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 involving like I mentioned earlier a lot of the work we've actually started some of the work with some of the money you raised working on the trailside buildings and access whole new wayfinding and signage system obviously uh, the trail repairs are a part of that but then the biggest sort of the cornerstone is to put in a outdoor Nordic center at Double O um, you know a place that people can bike and ski and run and hike we get tons of high school groups and family groups and we just don't have anywhere for them to to come and, and, and act as their gateway to get out. So that's going to really be the cornerstone project to it. It's by far 85% um, of the people that use the Berkey Trail, that's where they go in. And so improving those facilities for everybody is really a big part of this. And, and so um, we're kicking that off and looking forward to uh, making some improvements for everybody. So uh, are you looking at expanding the classic trail south of, of Double O for the Cordelobit skiers, or do you think there will be room on the trail for everyone? Yeah, eventually we will. I mean, um, actually this summer, as part of this campaign as well, we flagged all of the route from Double O south to Hatchery. Um, and the first part of that is from Double O to Gravel Pit. And um, it's kind of a combination. Some areas of new trail, some areas where it's just right alongside the trail expanding it open to 60 feet or so. Um, taking out, you know, the worst places are um, our left-hand corners because that's where skaters 
come in, take out the tracks, and, and so, you know, it's addressing those areas over the next uh, two years, again, as we raise the money to, to, to create that, um, that corridor headed south as well, because it's done wonderful things for the classic event, and we want to, you know, preserve that trail um, and, and uh, so that people can have a good experience all the way through. So that, too, will be part of it, and, uh, you know, um, as we raise the money, we'll get her done. All right, and it sounds like parking probably this year is a little easier because you have just fewer people all together on each day. Yeah, you know, everyone um, will be parking at Berkey Ridge for the Coeur d'Alope, and then for the skate or for the Berkey will be um, similar as last year. Um, this year, the buses will be coming a little different. Should be a little easier. We're, we're again, we'll as part of our fundraising again, we'll have a park at the start uh, place for a couple hundred cars. Um, and so hopefully, yeah, parking on Saturday should be a little bit easier for everybody because we can pull out some of those folks that are there otherwise and uh, trying to make that as streamlined as possible. I think that worked well. The other last year, it sounds like the other thing is you'll have a, you, you'll have a through road that will, you won't have to cross the course because the road, course will start north of the road, so let's have uh, buses able to drop off and go through. Exactly. That's exactly right. It can be a huge difference. They can drive in, drop off on the right, keep on headed heading right out and uh, we think that's going to make a big difference uh, for the, both the buses, how quickly they can turn around and, and just uh, having a dedicated space that Al really designed I think is going to create a good flow for folks and uh, we're hoping that people have a good time and are training hard. All right, sounds good. One other question I had. I know I saw some, something there about a Highway 77 underpass. Is that on the docket at some point? It is. That's part of it, too, and actually keep your fingers crossed. We should hear from the DOT in the next five days or so. We wrote a grant in cooperation with the town of Hayward um, to do some bike trail paving is what they want to do, and as part of it, it connects to Hatchery Park, and that's where we want to put an underpass under 77 um, for a variety of events that use it in close 77 and it's just dangerous in general right now if you're on the Berkey Trail to cross it. It's so fast right there. There's a hill. and So um, as part of this uh, is also to put an underpass on just a box, big box culvert basically under 77 so that year-round you can bike and hike and ski underneath it without having to cross the road. And then on event days, of course, we wouldn't have to close 77, which is a major artery, obviously, east-west. And I think uh, so that's a big part of it. And we just wrote a grant to the DOT um, through the TAP program and um, – with the town of Hayward, so we're hoping, uh, like I said, keep your fingers crossed, we should hear in the next uh, five or six days of whether that was accepted, and that would uh, be a big part of this fundraising and fund that, that underpass. All right. Sounds like we've got a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of changes coming up, and it sounds like mostly for the better, so I um, guess we'll leave it off there. We're, 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 we're within six months, and uh, you know, I, I hope we'll, we'll talk again before the race and uh, get some more updates, and I guess it's just about time to start doing our snow dance. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, look forward to seeing you in Northwood soon. Hope you enjoyed the Berkey Guy podcast, and we'll have many more coming this fall, so keep an eye out for them on your podcast feed or on the website. Um, as always, our podcast was produced by Sam Evans Brown of New Hampshire Public Radio. And as always, you're going to plug his podcast outside in. Uh, if you missed it, I was on the podcast last year talking about a little episode I had in the Boston Marathon uh, with an overheating thing. Not something us skiers have to worry about during ski season, but um, sort of an interesting uh, take on that. So go, uh, go listen to that. That was one of the podcasts, but he has several really interesting podcasts. Uh, up from the summer and more to come this fall uh, outside in radio about the natural world and how we use it 
Uh, highly recommend it as always. You can find it on iTunes or wherever, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever, all the podcast things. Outsideinradio.org, you can check it out. Uh, also on the radio. Uh, our music is by Dr. Turtle, and you can find that on the Free Music Archive. I think that's about it. So uh, hopefully we will be back with you soon, and uh, thanks for listening.